0: to Season 5, Episode 6 of Vixen, a Black Beauty and Pop Culture Podcast. If you enjoy what you hear today, please leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Today's episode is on the entertainer that inspired the Betty Booth character, Baby Esther Jones. Now, let's start the show. Hello, hello, and welcome to a all new episode of Vixen. Before we get started on today's episode, let me just start by saying happy Black History Month again. Um, I hope that you guys had a wonderful Valentine's Day. I hope that you guys have had a great first half of Black History Month. Let me just say this, um, from what I've been seeing on the Shade Room and on Twitter and on everywhere else on the internet, y'all have been walling this Black History Month. I don't know what has gotten into y'all. I'm seeing it and um i'm gonna need y'all to get to get it together for this second half of the month or we're gonna have to have a do-over in march because y'all have been wild i don't know if it's mercury retrograde i don't know what's going on up there in the planets the stars the sky but y'all get it together so we can finish black history month strong i'm gonna do my part around here okay (laughs) i'm trying to finish strong make the ancestors proud um so yeah y'all get it together Uh, Speaking of Black History Month, the person we're going to be talking about today is Baby Esther Jones. She is the entertainer that inspired Betty Boop. Now, I thought this would be a really, really interesting episode um, while we're in the middle of Black History Month because I know there's a lot of misinformation out there about exactly who inspired this character um in reality there are a lot of people who inspired it but i would say baby esther jones is the one who inspired it the most but she's also the person who is named and credited the least so as far as the misinformation um I know me personally, I, I have known that a black woman inspired this character for a long time, but the, mis- the information that was put out on the internet was incorrect. So you guys may have heard this as well, heard that it was a black woman who was the inspiration and you might have saw a photo of a woman who kind of looks like um a 1920s jazz singer because that's what I saw I never looked further into it but I have seen those photos and the woman kind of looks like a black version of Betty Boop right so uh that was actually a white woman in those photos (laughs) it's not funny but y'all can go look it up that was actually a white woman doing cosplay like some kind of cosplay photo shoot and the internet ran with it I, I believe even PBS printed those photos as her being the inspiration, first of all, she was white. Second, it was not the 1920s when those photos were taken. It's just, y'all, it is a lot of misinformation out there. And I was so shocked to find out that, yes, indeed, a black girl was the inspiration for this character, but she was a black girl as in a child um so I wanted to share this story with y'all talk about you know someone who did not who was not able to get their flowers for this character never made a dime off of this character um or any of the other people that copied her style so we're going to go ahead and get into baby Esther's story Esther Lee Jones was born in Chicago to William and Gertrude Jones. So her exact birth date and age is not known. Um, And this is very common for a lot of performers from this time, y'all. But it's believed that she was born somewhere in between 1918 and 1921. So from an early age, and I mean early, probably when she was like two... Um, Esther constantly sang and danced around the house, prompting her parents to submit her to talent shows and singing competitions all over Chicago. At one of these shows in 1924, she won first place, catching the eye of a talent manager who just so happened to be in the audience. This talent manager, his name was Lou Bolton. He just so happened to be white. Um, And he knew that Esther would be a hit with white audiences. He immediately offered to provide talent agent services and her parents signed on quickly. So she kind of just hit the ground running from there. Lou Bolton was absolutely right. Esther was a big hit with the white folks. um, And she started performing in mainly whites only clubs throughout the Midwest and the East Coast. So let's talk a little bit about Esther's performance style. So you can kind of think of her as like a black Shirley Temple, even though I don't believe a lot of the songs she sang were child appropriate. Um, and one can argue that Shirley Temple songs may have not been appropriate either, but I don't think any of Esther Jones songs were appropriate in my opinion from the titles I read um she had a very sing-songy voice a lot of childlike charm she would dance laugh make funny faces and she was known for scatting and singing her signature phrase boop oop-a-doo so that was her thing she will always say that I'm not going to say it again y'all because for some reason it's a like tongue twister to me, but <laughs> Baby Esther Jones' phrase was boop-oop-a-doo. All right, I'm not saying anything after that. Anyway, so scatting is defined as vocal improvisation with wordless vocables, nonsense, syllables, or without words at all. In scat singing, the singer improvises melodies and rhythms using the voice as an instrument rather than a speaking medium, end quote. So when Baby Esther wasn't performing solo, she would perform alongside men in blackface and... I saw a couple photos of this, y'all, and they were disturbing to say the least, especially because she was a child. Like, she was like four at this time. Um, and it's kind of just like, why did her parents allow this? And it was disturbing, but I had to remember what time period we were in here. And this was something that happened a lot. Um, here's a quote about baby Esther from a 1928 Variety article. The child is small for her age and said to be an exceptional black bottom dancer. The crowd in the place continually applauded the little dancer, end quote. So black bottom is a form of dance. I'm not going to go too deep into it. I wanted to, but I'm going to do an episode on dance styles that were kind of known to black people over the years. Um, So black bottom is one of those dances. I believe it originated in the South New Orleans, I believe. And then it kind of spread up to the Midwest and the East Coast. But anyway... Esther would go by multiple names at this time, but um, within this story, y'all, I'm gonna refer to her mainly as Baby Esther, but she would also perform under Little Esther, Farina's kid sister, and miniature Florence Mills. You're probably wondering how she got those names, and it's mainly because a lot of her acts included impersonating people. She started off impersonating Florence Mills and then started to impersonate Little Farina, sometimes even using his name, like Little Farina, not even just Farina's kid sister. Um, so little Farina and baby Jane were another pair of black child performers. Baby Jane was Farina's little sister. Um, and they would perform around the country doing the Charleston dance, another popular dance. So little Farina, his real name is actually Alan Hoskins. And he went on to star in the little rascals shortly after signing with Lou baby Esther's parents hired Tony Shane as her manager, who I believe was very tight with Lou. Um, Baby Esther started to perform at different nightclubs, mainly the Everglades Club in Palm Beach. Now this club is very, very interesting to me, y'all, because it was, I believe it might still exist. It did up until like 2011, but um, it was a private social club that refused to post a members list. Um, they barely allowed you to take photos inside and it also had a rep for being notoriously racist. Mind you, y'all, even though she was a literal child, Baby Esther performed at these clubs late at night, sometimes going into the wee hours of the morning. At the time, Tony Shane was also managing Helen Kane, an Irish-German aspiring performer from the Bronx. In 1928, Helen accompanied Tony and Lou to watch Baby Esther perform at the Everglades. To say the least, Helen was very, uh, inspired by Baby Esther's act, so much so that she decided to completely lift it and incorporate it into her own act big shocker big shocker so as we all know this is a very common practice of less talented white performers especially at this time um they would steal the acts of their black counterparts without citing their sources ever and um helen basically just took baby esther's routine and she became extremely successful but we're going to get back to her in a little bit in 1929 baby esther went on a tour across europe that truly Truly, truly, truly put her on the map, and this tour made her the highest paid child performer in the world, y'all. She performed for kings, queens, um, the who's who of high society in France, Spain, Germany, Italy, Sweden, and more. Baby Esther was very well received amongst the people in these countries, with large, adoring crowds following her wherever she was in public, and she got plenty of great press write-ups. The London Sunday People wrote a review of a play she was in, saying... Thousands flock no longer to the Moulin Rouge to see Miss herself or the clever American ballet girls or the beautiful women of the course but to applaud a little mite 10 year old who has won fame and wealth within the space of a few weeks. We are living in an age of speed but this amazing little child has broken every record of sudden theatrical success. End quote. So as y'all can see Baby Esther was huge. She really, really took off in Europe and she built a huge name for herself. So naturally at this time, baby Esther was making more money than most adults around her, but unfortunately she was not seeing a lot of it and her parents weren't seeing a lot of it either. The family was already sick of Lou's opportunist ass, y'all, and he was an opportunist because not only was he stealing money from them, like taking money off the top that he wasn't supposed to, he was also telling people that Esther's mother was the help or a maid or whatever, which is just really rude. Um, The Jones family fired Lou and hired Sidney Garner, a well-known black talent manager in Europe. So Sidney was the truth, y'all. He had over 16 years of experience working with black stars, helping them navigate overseas tours and just living overseas Um, he spoke several languages and he often acted as a secretary to these stars as well he was really really understanding of baby esther's situation with lou and he submitted all of esther's contracts directly to esther's mother so that she would know what he was negotiating for baby esther and exactly what she was earning esther's father returned to america and her mother and manager stayed with her to finish out the european tour While they were in Stockholm, there was an incident that got baby Esther even more attention than she was already getting, y'all. So the three of them enter a restaurant that was being ran by a Swedish man named Brandon Tompton. So Brandon had lived in America before and formed his restaurant to cater to white Americans. And... I say that because even though things were different in Sweden, I'm not going to act like Sweden was not racist or never has been racist. It just was very different over there than in the States. And since he had lived in the States, he knew, you know, that you could have a whites only restaurant and refuse to serve black. So he basically modeled his restaurant after what Americans were used to because Americans were his main clientele. So, as soon as he saw Sydney, baby Esther, and Miss Gertrude, um, he refused service immediately. Sydney tried to reason with him, and the situation basically escalated, leading to Sydney calling for the police to come for help. Basically, Everybody who was in the restaurant at the time and witnessed this was up in arms. They were arguing with the restaurant owner. They were pleading for him to just serve the three of them. Uh, Some even went as far to invite the party of three to their businesses and their homes to make up for this. The next morning, news of this incident was everywhere. It was a really big deal, y'all. Every newspaper in the city covered the scandal and denounced the restaurant. And the restaurant eventually closed because they just had a bad name. (laughs) Like... that's what you deserve that is exactly what they deserved when it was time for baby esther to leave stockholm and go on to the next city where she was performing thousands of people came out with flowers to see her off one of the papers that covered it called the swedish blad wrote this has the owner of a restaurant the right to behave the way he likes to customers who visit his place i hope that the colored persons who were refused service at Tomptons will not think that all swedish people are like that the Swedish people are indignant over the affair." Quote. After her tour in Europe ended, Baby Esther went on to yet another tour this time in South America. This was another very successful run for Baby Esther, y'all. She was a huge star over there, maybe even bigger um, than she was in Europe. She again performed for the elite across the South American countries. And one time while doing a press run in Rio de Janeiro, Baby Esther was asked how she had avoided the KKK and other racists in America, especially as a very recognizable young star esther who couldn't have been any older than 10 years old at the time y'all mind you this is a child i know it's hard to like remember that but she's literally a child um she said she escaped by simply staying out of the south she really did not from what i saw it didn't really seem like she performed in the south often it was always the midwest you know um or the east coast detroit new york city all of those chicago all of those kind of places never anything further south When baby Esther came back to the United States around 1933, her career continued, but not in the way that I thought it would. To me, it was surprising that she didn't have a North American tour when she got back. I mean, I'm not really sure what happened here, but she kind of retreated to the background once she got back to the States. Now, I'm thinking that this is probably because she started to reach you know, puberty, preteen age, where you're not just a young little kid anymore um and there were other child stars at the time but you would think after going on two really successful overseas tours that it would at least translate a little bit in the states but it didn't really seem to you know people who knew her knew her and she still got gigs but it just wasn't the same um at this point esther continued her career mainly touring with cab calloway as one of his dancers all right y'all so y'all remember that woman helen Do y'all remember Helen Kane from earlier? The one that completely jacked Baby Esther's act? Let's get back to her. So remember, she stole Baby Esther's act. She used to be managed by Tony Shane as well. She went with Tony and Lou to one of Baby Esther's shows at the Everglades Club. And she stole everything she saw. In 1930, she got a taste of her own medicine when the Betty Boop cartoon premiered that year. And the namesake character had completely lifted her style. So... Before we get into that, let's go back and go into exactly what she stole from baby Esther. So Esther was known for scatting, often using the word boop and other childlike sounds. Helen Kane started to use boop as well, and she kind of adopted a childlike voice too. From what I read, it seems like her voice may have not really did like that at first and then she tweaked it to sound more like baby Esther's. sometimes she would change the words of things that baby Esther said like she would change the scats to something else that rhymed with what baby Esther said but for the most part it was plain copying so it really was not that different from what she had seen that day at the everglades the betty boop character was created by cartoonist max fleischer i'm gonna say his name wrong fleischer fleischer honestly we don't like max uh, spoiler alert we don't really like max so max i don't really care to pronounce your last name right so i'm gonna just call you max so max was inspired by a variety of people including clara Bow, helen kane and a variety of black female singers in harlem so similar to the shows baby esther would do a few years earlier when she was starting out the cartoon featured a lot of racist imagery y'all like i don't know if you guys have seen some of like the original betty boop cartoons lots of blackface um lots of menstrual show behavior it's quite jarring um I don't want to go too deep into it but her, she had two sidekicks who were clowns I don't I want to say their names were like Bimbo and Coco or something like that and they literally looked like I, Can't even describe it, y'all, but yes. The Betty Boop cartoon was very, very racist when it premiered. Um, Betty Boop herself is known for being a cartoon sex symbol, known for her figure, her sexy dress, and for having a very soft babyish voice. I know y'all have been wondering how the hell a child could have been the inspiration for this, for such a character, but... Here we go. This is how. So once the cartoon premiered, Helen Kane was off the rails. Y'all, she was furious. She was feeling like she had been taken advantage of. She felt like um, she was being exploited by the cartoon because it was in her likeness. And she felt like they were exploiting her further because they stole her act, her catchphrase, which she had told everybody that she invented. Y'all, the audacity. Anyway, I will give it to her. Betty Boop looked a lot and sounded a lot like Helen Kane, but it's just funny. Like, how much audacity does one have to have to be able to do this? Like, you know, you stole your entire style from someone else, and instead of just keeping quiet and taking the L, <laughs> you like let me make a big deal out of it. Especially after you'd told everybody that you invented it. It's just, I can't. I can't. In May of 1932, two years after Betty Boop premiered, Kane sued Max. Fleischer Studios, and Paramount, filing a $250,000 lawsuit with the New York Supreme Court. The case was sensationalized instantly, y'all. It constantly got coverage in local newspapers. Everyone was talking about it. It was a really, really big deal. During the trial, Max admitted that Helen was one of the inspirations for Betty Boop, but that there were multiple women used, and the vocal inspiration had came directly from baby Esther. All of the actresses who had voiced Betty Boop over the years were brought on as witnesses. Probably wondering, just as I was, where baby Esther was in all of this. Because now they didn't brought up her name her nor her parents ever came forward to lay claim to the singing style or lay claim to being the inspiration behind Betty Boob it didn't happen before like when it first came out and it didn't happen once the trial happened however it was attempted to bring baby Esther in as a witness but no one was able to locate her at the time of the trial unfortunately so Paramount's lawyers really made sure that they had a solid case y'all like I, I don't even know what she was thinking going up against a studio but anyway they even brought in lou Bolton. y'all remember him they brought him on to testify that is the um talent manager that the jones family fired so he testified that he coached and i quote a little negro girl to sing the boop boop that betty boop and helen kane were known for and that helen had seen the child perform live and developed her style directly after Helen's lawyer tried to clap back by asking if Paramount had ever made a payment to Baby Esther for using her as an inspiration, or for her loss of revenue from Helen stealing her image. I mean, I kind of get how that's a gotcha, but then I'm also like, that kind of makes your client look bad. But I guess, I guess at that point, she was like, we already lost. But anyway, so she asked um, if Paramount had ever paid Baby Esther, and Lou admitted that um, Baby Esther never saw any money from anything involving Betty Boop and the inspiration. Just nothing at all she had never received a dime the final nail in the coffin was paramount revealing video footage of baby esther's first nightclub performance and that proved that this style predated helen's performance so this really killed helen's case she lost she walked away with nothing and that's just a shame because I know she lost a ton of money trying to sue Paramount and th- that had to have cost a pretty penny. So she walked away with her tail between her legs um, and she ended up pitching a comic starring herself, the original Boop oop So that was how she was able to further associate herself with the character of Betty Boop and I guess that felt like a win to her. Even though I'm happy this bitch lost, excuse my language, I'm still very mad about this because even after winning, Max Fleischer, again, We don't care about how to pronounce his last name. But anyway, Max has still never publicly acknowledged Baby Esther as the inspiration behind Betty Boop. He just like used her to win the case and dropped her name to win the case. And then Baby Esther never got the chance to speak out for herself because by the time the case had geared up, she vanished completely. So let's talk about what happened to Baby Esther. So the last few performances plus the last sightings of her were in 1934 she was still working with cab calloway and she allegedly was also working as an acrobat sometimes it's suspected that gigs really really dried up for baby esther because she was getting older now we already know that people like to adultify young black children and like sexualize them or make them just seem older and more grown than they really are there's been thousands of study on, studies on this and once you grow out of your childlike looks you're an adult in their eyes no matter how old you actually are remember i mentioned another black child uh performer uh, little farina this exact same thing happened to little farina he stopped getting gigs he was out of the business by the time probably around the same age as baby esther like 10 11 12 he was Completely done in the industry. Just could not get a gig once he got to be a certain age. Really sad that they used people like this. Had her spend her entire childhood on tour performing for these white people. Um, Got her family traveling around with her just to pretty much drop her once She aged. In 1934, Baby Esther performed in Philadelphia at a benefit performance for the NAACP, where she did an acrobatic routine to lukewarm reviews. So here's a condensed quote from a write-up on the event by the Baltimore Afro-American. Little Esther had a bit too much art and finesse born of her extensive travel and contacts, not to mention expert tutelage for her to bring spontaneous applause. But she had the charm and grace and form. Her acrobatic dance number was very good. End quote. I guess they're trying to say like the performance was too avant-garde for the audience. It was too much. It was like, oh, like that's very Parisian. What's she doing over there? You know, like we we ain't we ain't into all of that. So I wonder if that was what the general consensus was on her once she got back to the states, and people were just over it because that's not how they wanted to be entertained at the time, which is pretty messed up. But it it shows like that you know once you get to a certain point whether it's age or talent or a- experience the industry can kind of throw you away. That was pretty much her final performance, y'all, and baby Esther disappeared from the spotlight without a trace. It said that she passed shortly after the trial ended, but I don't know if I believe that just because she was so young, barely a teenager at this time. Um maybe she just went on to lead a regular life. Like I don't know if anyone ever tried to like track her parents down, but hopefully she just went And had a regular life. What do you guys think happened to her? I personally pray I'm going to just choose to believe that she went, had a normal life, didn't have to be gawked at, didn't have to perform for white people, and got to do regular things like go to school, hang out with friends, get married, have children, all of that. Maybe she changed her name and she just didn't want to be associated with that anymore. Prior childhood... Just entertaining other people and constantly being on the road, like that can't be a good environment for a child. Um, I don't think that's a good environment for anybody really, but definitely not for a child, especially such a young child. And to be exposed to so many like racist incidents and situations so early like that, not only just the thing that happened in the restaurant where people were being outwardly racist to her and her mom and her manager, also having to perform in menstrual shows and like having to do blackface. And then some white woman completely steals your act. This woman is known forever and is kind of just like memorialized as the inspiration for Betty Boop And really the only inspiration for Betty Boop because she was able to speak out and use her voice. And baby Esther was not able to do that. Um, so I just thought this story was something I really wanted to share. I know this is a shorter episode this week, but I just wanted to make sure I shared that story one because there's so much like there's so much out there about this that isn't true and to just never hear about this is just insane like and I I feel like I know a lot of really like random black women history but this I did not know at all there's not a ton of information out there about her because she disappeared her career She was so young during her career, um, probably could barely do any interviews on her own without her parents because she was so young. Um, And then she disappeared and she was like, not even a teen. So I wish that I could have made this longer. I wish I could have told you guys what happened to her, what came of her life, but I don't know. But I hope that she went on to have a really good life and just be a normal person and just do something that made her happy. That is it, y'all. That is the story of baby Esther Jones, the original inspiration for Betty Boop, okay? A lot of Betty Boop is tied into her, like the way that she looked and we can't say baby Esther inspired that because she was an actual child, but she inspired the voice. The mannerisms, all of that. So we're going to give her her flowers for that this Black History Month. I hope that y'all enjoyed this episode. I am so excited about next week's episode. I think you guys will like that one too. Y'all have been asking for a crime crossover episode. So y'all are getting one next week. I know you guys really enjoy those. This is one that really, really touched me. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and put a little trigger warning out right now for that episode. Um, cause we are going to talk about certain things. I won't hint to it now, but yes, um, we will have a crime crossover episode next week. I can't believe we are halfway through this season. It has flown. I want to again say thank you guys for all of the love on past episodes. You guys really really enjoyed the black girl luxury episode i'm glad that y'all liked that i do think there's some room in there for either a part two or some kind of instagram live i'm not sure yet i did get some messages from y'all but y'all let me know what y'all want to do y'all want a part two episode or do y'all want a um a live because i kind of i want to i don't mind doing a part two but i really want to hear you guys thoughts on the the luxury of it all so i think we will do that y'all let me know when works what works and i will see y'all next week for a all new episode bye thank you for listening to vixen if you like today's episode don't forget to leave a review if you have a submission feel free to email vixenpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com we'll be back next week with an all new episode